When it comes to lining up podcast guests, my priorities lie pretty heavily on which guests are going to be able to shine light on business and industry issues and artificial intelligence that are going to affect uh, our listenership, that are going to help the listenership make better technology decisions, better strategy decisions, and maybe garner new ideas about how AI might be leveraged in their industry or what to keep an eye out on for their competitors. We've spoken a lot about business intelligence, a lot about marketing, and a lot about security in the last three months or so. One domain that we haven't touched on in probably over a year is the world of heavy industry. That is to say, construction, mining, agriculture, factory work. Um, There's a lot of interesting developments in sensor technology and in automation going on in that domain, and machine learning is creating its own sort of renaissance in that separate world. We were lucky enough to have Dr. Sam Karat on the podcast with us this week. Sam is a PhD in aeronautics from Purdue University. He teaches courses at uh, the Bradley University in Illinois, and he also works on automation at Caterpillar, and he's very, very familiar with heavy industry at large. And Sam speaks about where heavy industry is having its own sort of innovations and developments with the domain of machine learning that's having so much attention in the public eye for places like Tesla and you know Google and Facebook, and everybody pays attention to the big guys, and everybody pays attention to what the consumers get to touch. But in some regards, as Sam points out pretty aptly, The world of heavy industry, that is to say excavators and and big trucks and heavy equipment, big equipment, um, this domain in some regards has its own challenges for automation and sensors, but in other ways is a little bit more freed up to automate routes and activities of an an excavator or or let's say a dump truck um, is sometimes there's more freedom for doing that than there would be with a vehicle. A vehicle on the road, sharing the road with other cars, is an environment that's more or less inherently dangerous. If you own a property, you own a construction site, and you own the equipment, you get to automate whatever the heck you want. And in many regards, this lets the heavy industry world experiment with aspects of automation that you simply wouldn't see in the pedestrian vehicle world thus far. Certainly a lot less attention paid to heavy industry. This is going to impact sort of the job market in many regards. There's a lot of work in this world that Sam sees as being pretty automatable in the next 10 years or so in the the world of of construction and mining um, and factory work. Uh, But it's interesting to see him shine a light on where sensors are playing a role, what kinds of functions and capabilities are automatable and at what level right now, and what that might look like in the future, what the next two or three years might bring us with big machinery becoming more and more automated as well. If you're in an industry that leverages heavy equipment, this is likely to be a very relevant interview. And even if you're not, I think it'll be interesting for people to get a sense of uh, how these quote-unquote stodgy industries are developing as well. If nothing else, I hope it'll be useful for garnering some fresh ideas from that perspective as well. Sam is absolutely full of energy. At some point, we, he and I are like banging on the table while we're talking. You can hear the table creak a little bit. This is live at the the uh, rework conference on autonomous vehicles here in San Francisco. So you'll hear a little bit of that in the background, but I think it'll add to the kind of authentic feel of the interview itself. I hope you all enjoy this one. This is Sam uh, on autonomous vehicles uh, and autonomous technology applied to heavy industry. Sam, 
first things first, the world of heavy industry, you know, again, like I was saying before we started recording, a lot of people can imagine what a driverless car is like. Some people have even been in one. If you're here in San Francisco or in Mountain View, you've seen them kind of spinning around out there, the Google Google cars. There's much less experience from laypersons about what that looks like in heavy industry. You know, big equipment, big factories. Um, what are the aspects of AI and machine learning that are actually starting to drive business value that have left kind of R&D and have started to be useful in heavy industry? Yeah. Joe, I'm going to really go back to the, the four components yeah. of, of, of our business. So like, uh, I mean, uh, in the heavy industry business, and mostly most, most industry, like the mobility industry, yeah. has these same uh, components, uh, maybe in a different uh, type of definition. Order or something, yeah. Order. So, so we, have, we have mobility, and that's, that's the powertrain, yeah. that's the engine, that's the chassis, that what drives the machine. is like over a century of development in that work. We Lots do quite well. Yeah, the the second component is really controls, and 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 the controls plays a huge role in uh, in the stability of the machine and and making it really go from point A to point B in a safe manner. But in heavy industry, you have to add the addition of uh, of uh, working with the tools and uh, the example of uh, cracking the egg of the tip of an excavator without breaking it is yeah, that's very very, a very good do. example yep. of uh, sound controls. The third component are tools because now you need to have uh, some way of quickly interchange your tools to continue doing the job, uh, sometimes with the same machine. And, and for example, yep. some of the heavy industry machines like Caterpillar is called the Swiss Army yeah, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of uh, machinery. But yeah. the fourth component is really behind in terms of, of development. And that is perception. Yeah, I call it perception. A lot of people, um, um, I don't really like calling it uh, machine vision or or probably machine vision is okay, but computer vision is a little kind of dated. You dated think? And, yeah. and, and, and putting it in the tech. But that's the ability of a machine to sense its surrounding. Okay. Yep. Uh, whether it's 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 above ground or an ability to sense some infrastructure uh, underground prior to doing any type of any yep. type of work. And that's what created this need to have some uh, autonomous convoy operations for, for, for the military because now you want to be able to, to, to sense the distance and to sense when you have an intrusion coming in, in front of you and being able to adequately swerve that. In the past decade and a half, we've seen tremendous improvements in the sensing technologies, uh, whether it's uh, light-based, like LiDAR and yeah, yeah, lasers yeah. Yeah. And, and all of that. But we've also seen some, some improvements in radar systems. Now, now these sensors kind of complement each other in, in the sense that one gives you a crisp view of, uh, of of the world because of the fine nature of a laser beam. However, it doesn't do as well in uh, compared to radar, for example, in a foggy or yep, yep. challenging um, atmospheric yeah. uh, conditions. And so fusing has become really a trend in being able to have a better sense of, of the surrounding. Uh, and now we see the addition of uh, what we call uh, SLAM as a, uh, as a and SLAM is uh, just an acronym for simultaneous localization and mapping. Got it. So yeah, because yeah, yeah. now if you have a indication of where you are 
based upon a mapping or, or, or structures that you know, you have a better ability to locate yourself and, and have a better understanding about what your perception hardware is, is telling you, whether it's radar, whether it's a, a LIDAR and all of that. I like I like where we're going. I'm, I'm going to clarify some of these terms, and then we'll get into some interesting examples, real use cases. Uh, you're talking about I like the framing of perception because it's not limited to a sense, right? It's 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 perception. If we think of perception in as broad of a way as we do with ourselves, then we think about feeling our own heartbeat, right? We think about feeling an ache in our knee. We think about smelling things, hearing things, looking at things. Like if you lose any one of those. Your entire ability to manage your day just it like evaporates. I mean, if you lose your sound and you're not used to operating without without the hearing sense, you're going to have a very hard time going to work and getting your job done. You lose your sight. If you lose the ability, you know, there are people born without the ability to feel pain. They don't really function so well. They hurt themselves. You know, it's, right. it's not a good thing. Uh, however, humans can adapt very well in a challenging situation. Uh, for example, imagine yourself inside a maze of corn where, where, yes, where it's yes, higher than yep. you. So you're not going to rely entirely on your vision. You're going to use other senses. And that's why having the ability to uh, go beyond uh, the loss or, or reduced performance of, a, of, of one of your sensors is key to continuing to function Properly, maybe at a reduced performance mode or or, yep. or, or that, but but that is the key in, uh, in in this industry to create a proper way of developing a sound perception system. Yep, and I know that the folks who are just working on day to day vehicles, never mind all the complexities of heavy industry, um, which certainly has all of its own challenges, they're also you know combining different kinds of cameras with lidar, with GPS data with, um, you know, the data from all the other cars and with, you know, uh, whatever other kinds of, you know, sensors and technology that they're putting on there. You know, there's talk of in some urban environments potentially having like embedded sensors in the corners of certain buildings or like near sidewalks or something so that the, the cars that are driving by, even in absolutely the worst conditions where all the cameras are broken, still know where so just layers of of uh, sensor fusion, as you were saying, so that if something goes out, we're still operating well, we can still get the job done. Um, in terms of vehicles, you know, okay, you know, I can get from here to there, you know, in Manhattan, in, in an urban environment, man, that's really hard. Okay, I can see what that would look like. With an excavator or in a factory setting with some forklift action or something like this, these are more difficult to imagine for laypersons like myself who aren't in excavators very often. Where do we see perception beginning to emerge meaningfully in, let's say, an excavator or, or like equipment? Where, where is that first make, made its steps into real use? Okay, well, we, we, we have to go a little uh, a step back. That's now, fine. Yeah, now let's the, do it. The, the industry is evolving so fast. It's amazing that just about a decade ago, when you had a job, for example, construction site, the, uh, the setting was completely different where a foreman okay, guides a machine operator, whether it's a grader or whether it's a tractor or whether it's an excavator with some stakes that they, they kind of dump on the ground to, so, that, so that the operator can see where, where to grade yeah. and do that. Uh, currently, we have uh, an automated system using GPS where, where, where the, where the, uh, where the <laughs> antennas are on the blade itself and, and the whole thing is automated. 
Now, when you say the whole thing, what I really like to do is paint a perfect picture in the eyes of the listener. So we're talking about the blade of an excavator. So the, the big scoop on the front here has antennae on it in some, some way, shape, or form. We know where the pile O stuff is. Yep. We know the exact GPS coordinates down to the point O, whatever. And we can the, the machine can drive itself over there, know where it's inserting the scoop, know that it's picking the stuff up, and know where to put it. Is, is this... This is what's based happening. Upon, based upon a plan, so, okay, you, so, so you have a plan from somebody who wants to build a golf yep. course or yeah, 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 whatever site. it is. Yep. So, so whatever it is. So, so, so the blade knows exactly where, how, how deep it, yeah. would, it would start pushing, now, pushing does, the dirt. Does that also control the movement of the vehicle over to the pile of stuff or the dirt the, or whatever? The, the, the motion of the vehicle is controlled by the operator, but the, the, the operator has has no control over the blade. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So, so the level of the blade and in terms of leveling the ground or moving the earth, yeah. that part we don't need the person thinking. We that's just right. need you to drive your you path. Need you to drive, drive your path. path. Yes, right. Look at look out your windows and drive your path, and and the blade's going to do its work. Just just. Just move ahead. You don't. You don't have to dial the inches of the blade because that's automatically going to happen. And, and and yeah, if you did that, you would be you be doing also some steering because yep. that's how the, uh, the the machine is doing. And this is just a few years back. Now, now with the future technologies that are being implemented in machine intelligence, we will see more automation. We'll see that the machine is going to be able to perform all these tasks on its own. Yeah, and that is going to happen before we see autonomous vehicles. Yes, because because we don't have as many you know crushing into each you other, right? Own you, you, yep, you own your construction site. You own your own. It up. Yep, it's not nobody you, you else's You own space. your mine. Yep, you do what you it's want. One of the benefits of owning a mine, folks. If you're listening here, if you're looking for an investment, buy a mine. Plus the this this social acceptance. I mean, when you when you uh, really ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, I mean, how many are going to tell you I want to be a miner, I want to be a construction yeah, worker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would really rather do something else. In fact, there was a Wall Street Journal survey for high school students, yeah. asking them what they want to be when they grow up, and and miner ranked, I think. 247 out of 500. Yeah, and it depends on where you do the poll, but I know what you mean. It'd be it, interesting it to see. It really is not national. something that is appealing to a lot of high school students. One of, one of those, my, my mother says occasionally, um, one of those jobs that finds you. Yeah. You're in a circumstance where that's going to be what you do. Yeah. I mean, you got to pay the yeah. bills, right? Yeah. So we want to take advantage of some of the skills that the, that kids are growing up doing, for example, playing uh, video games. <laughs> yep, and yep, so yep. use that as, as, a, as a, so you give them a remote control and then the machine is away and, and they will yep. do, do the job. So um, to, to add more color to this example, so we're talking about, hey, in the future, in addition to, and I'm sure in, in agriculture, right, heavy industry is big in agriculture as well. There's probably, to the best of my knowledge, there are tractors that can drive perfect back and forth harvesting of a certain grain, right? By itself, no people in it. That's happening today to the best of my knowledge based on GPS. You're talking about excavators doing something similar. The level of the blade and the adjustment of how earth is being moved is being done by uh, computer and sensors and a person is just controlling movement. Eventually the movement will be automated. Uh, I've heard also of dump trucks that, that you know, uh, are able to kind of uh, like the backing up into a certain area where you're going to receive whatever the earth or whatever is getting dumped into the back of the truck, that that whole portion uh, and like going going up the hill after it, that like a lot of those repetitive, you know, 
perfect alignment elements. That's just GPS. Like you just you, you push like a single red button and it just goes to where it needs to go. Is is this true? Yeah, but it's not just GPS. It actually has some some sensing devices on on I can on imagine the machine, yeah, on yeah, the machine yeah. itself because because uh, GPS gives you your location. Yeah. And but you need you need Other also context. some coordination. Yep. Uh, you mentioned the loading. Yeah. So when you have a loader putting some whatever or whatever it is that you're uh, that you that you need to put on a dump truck or the whole truck then uh, then then you have this uh, coordination between the machines so they don't bump into each other yeah and, yeah and then create create an I'd, I'd like to talk about those sensors as well the the other kinds of onboard sensors in addition to gps that move things around just a quick comment on on mines i i've always had this this funny thought sam that you know when i move from the east coast to, to the west coast you know where i come from very very small town but in let's say boston where i live for a little while you know, doctors, lawyers, that's kind of cool to be a doctor or lawyer. In the West Coast, nobody cares. Like you run a tech company, you don't do anything. I think the only thing that would be cooler than having a tech company at a, a cocktail party, which I, I don't go to cocktail <laughs> parties, but if I did at a cocktail party in Silicon Valley, would be um, owning a mine. Like, isn't owning a mine just the coolest thing? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, well I, well, I own a mine. Yeah. yeah, I mine silver. It's like, wow, that's cool. But anyway, I just, I've, I've always chuckled at those old industries that are still like really cool when you think about them. Um, you were mentioning, in addition to GPS, we have these other sensors to sort of align the equipment and, and move. I can imagine, you know, LIDAR is involved here, cameras are involved here. Uh, talk about a real world example, you know, something well out of R&D phase that's working and moving in the real world, cameras, LIDAR, onboard sensors, and where they play their role in heavy industry too. Um, we're really still at uh, uh, the um, infant phase. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, so uh, we do have quite a bit of warning systems, uh, just like uh, you have this advanced cruise control on, on, on a car that slows down. And so we, we have uh, an ability to tell the operator, uh, listen, you're getting too close, uh, but there is no action. It's ah, still... Okay, okay. The, it's probably being developed, but we're not there yet. We're, we're, we're not... We don't have it completely automated. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, the the automation happens on the hauling systems where where the truck goes from say point A to point B. That that up. can be that, uh, that yep. is because that is so, that is automated. It's, it's today. very it's very repetitive. It's very right. consistent. You go up this hill, you dump this, you drive down, right. you pick this, you go up this hill. You know if we can set it up like a chess piece is well enough, we can automate it. But what you're saying is general day to day variant use. That's not fully automated, of course. Yeah, the, um, the, uh, but it's but it's coming very quickly. The, uh, the 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 industry actually is a really early adopter of of, of these technologies. Yeah. And we mentioned some of the, uh, the reasons yeah. why you the, own the, your damn site. Your, 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 that and, and also lack of talent. You know, what I'm saying. I mean, you've seen uh, maybe uh, several um, mining industry. Uh, flying operators from uh, because they have to have special talented operators working in a specific job and doing it because you've seen commodity prices going down. And so you have to really control cost of how much is it going to cost me to haul one ton. Yeah. You got to think about that. Yeah. No doubt about it. And so so autonomy is really key in uh, taking 
really uh, these things and, into effect. And I, uh, I apologize for the folks tuned in about the little bit of a squeaking. This is an in-person interview here at the Rework Conference. So we're on like a, a rickety little table in a back conference room. So if you hear some squeaking, it's just part of the authentic experience of chatting with Sam. He's a, he's a mover and a talker like myself. So um, yeah, it's all good, brother. Don't worry about it. So um, the economic pressures are, are really hot and heavy. A lot of the time when I do interviews, people who work at you know big companies or something very rarely talk about autonomy because it sounds threatening. But but in, in reality, we all kind of know that this is sort of part of the, the process. Um, you had mentioned quite interestingly, yet again, in, in certain rote circumstances, we can automate an entire movement. Right now, cameras and LIDAR, like I know that in, in there's certain cars that you can buy where, you know, if you're backing into something and you're getting too close, there will be like a little alert that'll go off. Um, are we kind of at that level with equipment well, when it comes to sensors? Are we a little farther along? Uh, give me an idea there. The uh, Well, cars are actually taking actions today, you know, with, with the True, automated yeah, Tesla braking, and whatnot. Yep. Braking uh, automated and uh, parallel parking. And, 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 also, and also braking for you. Yeah, and some, true. Many, many of them, true. Many of them, uh, many of them uh, do that. Uh, and so, so the autonomous haulage system is complete autonomous now in the mine. So yep. so so those big trucks hauling yep. or are complete autonomous. So they brake, they accelerate, they do the yeah, whole thing yeah. uh, by, by themselves. Uh, future work includes coordination with, with, with our machinery and when you when you think about the dump. The uh, so so there is this kind of uh, gap in the um, on-road applications where we see kind of uh, the technology is there, but but uh, we don't see uh, autonomous, complete autonomous cars yep. on, on, on the road. And, uh, and uh, that is really something that is uh, not just uh, um, social acceptance, but also the issues with legislation and, and other, uh, and yep. other uh, things that play a role, plus, plus the lack of talent yeah, in, that, in that space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, just uh, to to try to maybe we'll, we'll wrap this on on maybe some some thoughts about where these things might go. You know, we, we've talked about some of the basics can be automated. There's there's other activities that involve humans. You know, a little bit, but they aren't needed for all the the functions of of the equipment. Um, where do you think when when perception really starts to kind of kick on? We talk about using cameras. Where where will that really first kind of hit the ground running, like a, whether it be in agriculture or in earth moving or in mining, where do you see the, the visual element of perception eventually kind of turning on and driving value in heavy industry? Maybe we're not there yet. Where do you think it might start to tip its way into reality in well, the future? I think, I think the, the, the issue is also very, very similar to the on-road uh, applications where perception is at the stage of a, of, of, of a threshold where we have a, a, a particular development that is being done by each company. And that is something that needs to be addressed in order for us to have a, a better perception system. Let me explain myself. Yeah, go for it. When, when you look at the perception technology, you mentioned LIDAR that. The, you, you could actually number the, the suppliers in that space, mm. okay, because they're not really uh, very, many, uh, yeah. very many of them. And, and so, so most of the companies, whether it's on-road or off-road, use the exact same hardware. So, so, so the question is, how can we make a perception system solid, robust, 
And my view is because we have a gap between users. When any company, okay, is looking at using a particular sensor, and let's say, let's say LiDAR, it's expensive to start because, because of that. Now they go through certain tests because they have to really make sure it does what it does. Yep. The problem I see is that everybody is doing the exact same tests. And, uh, and so we, we're really kind of uh, uh, doing some redundant stuff just because we have, uh, we have a, this competitive uh, mode. And, uh, and, and so now we spend a lot of money um, doing the exact same thing Plus, we need to have uh, uh, the data that we have recorded and, and put that in the algorithm um, to make it work in the applications that we're at. So why don't we think about having a center where everybody has a common understanding of what a piece of hardware can do for the entire industry? It doesn't matter if uh, my competitor has access to the same data because the data is really what is needed for me to keep my supplier on check. And so now, instead of spending this amount of money, I just spend just a little on this, on this, in this, in, in a consortium type yep. of uh, yep. uh, system where, where I have access to data. And now the rest of the money that I was planning to do for R&D or, or, or the developing this perception uh, scheme would be concentrated on my, my uh, algorithm development for my proper applications. And, and, and now we could, we could think about having a common failure mode for the entire industry. Because, yes. It's a failure mode, just to meaning, articulate meaning, what meaning, meaning, what is, see, the, the, the issue with autonomous driving, when you think about uh, what, what people are afraid of, is all of those scenarios that could happen if a machine a robot takes a wrong decision based yeah. upon what they what they sense and in my view that is something that we may not happen if we have a common understanding of what the machine can do we shouldn't have a specific way for the machine to take action because the machine is using the same sensor and and so and so when I mentioned failure mode, it's like now I see that I cannot distinguish whether that's a tree trunk or a human being, and therefore I'm going to step down in my performance and say, okay, I'm in a reduced performance mode, or I'm in limp home, or I'm going to shut down. But everyone in the industry should have the same failure mode. Otherwise, it'll be, it'll be chaotic. Yeah. And that's what some of the issues that we, we, we have uh, uh, witnessed at this conference, people having a vision of properly identifying issues when, when the perception system doesn't work adequately. I, I think I'm going to try to encapsulate what you're saying and make sure I'm understanding it and the people at home can as well. Um, that if, if we can discover patterns of, you know, what an engine is doing or what we're sensing with, with, you know, cameras or what's happening with LIDAR or whatever, um, that, that really are clearly signs of what you said, you know, failure, a big wrong decision, dangerous things. If we can figure out a way to respond to danger, in other words, improve safety, wouldn't it be ideal and doesn't it seem responsible for the industry to share 
those best practices. And of course, it's tough, right? Because business, competition, innovation, right? It's, it's hard to foster that. And that's why we have legislation and these are complicated matters. But what you're saying is that it sounds like maybe you're optimistic that there will be, or maybe there is to some degree, a consortium that focuses on these safety concerns in the heavy industry space as well. Because if we don't, there isn't. Oh, okay, there is not right there now. There is not okay. at this there point right that we now. know of. Yep. And, 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 and if we don't, then, then, then legislation will, uh, will create something that could be good, but it could be a hurdle. I mean, let's face it, government can create markets, but the government take away markets. Can, can take away as easily. Yep. <laughs> and so if the industry kind of steps back and say, okay, well, yeah, this is my competitor. But however, I'm using the exact same LIDAR, I'm yeah, the exact yeah, same, yeah. same uh, uh, radar system. So why don't I spend just a little money in this center yep okay it's independent yep, yep okay yep. and and all the entire industry has access to this data provided by by this sensor and biased yeah and 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 now i i know that my supplier is on check because because i know what the sensor can do and and so i can concentrate on my algorithm development which is Exactly. What can I do with this perception system? Furthermore, the center is, is is capable of providing me with a situation where I could know where I'm in trouble. And so I could design uh, uh, certain failure modes, meaning meaning how bad is the situation? Okay, am I going to crash? Therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to really stop. Now, if I stop, I have to let everybody know that I'm stopping. If I'm in limp home mode, I want to communicate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so, so we have to create these bubbles of performance yeah. of each machine. Across and communicate companies, right? So, across. so we can know, hey, this thing is busted. Right. Make way or be careful or whatever. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and everybody yeah. has a common understanding rather than wait for a legislation. You see, we've seen, for example, and, and, and I personally I have an issue with the five levels of automation. Uh, you, you heard of that probably, the five levels of I can automation. Google it. Who's the source? It's just a society of automotive engineering okay. where, um, where you have uh, level zero, where you have no, you know, just manual drive. And it sounds like you don't, you don't like these arbitrary. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying it's, it's, it's difficult to implement a driver's license where you have a certain level of you call it artificial intelligence within the machine, and yet not capable of full autonomous operation, where where the driver is not doing anything basically for for a while uh, until there is something, and now the the driver is required to uh, in an instant take over. That's difficult to do. Yeah. So with the proper communication between all mobility uh, machinery, we could overcome that. Because we know the failure mode that that machine is going to enter into. Huh. So it sounds as though, and this is something for people to chew on as a closing note here, as with the vehicles world, the Toyotas and the Fords and the Teslas of the world having to kind of create a cabal to make sense of all this stuff and come together, it may make sense for heavy industry as we move forward to share certain kinds of information that are going to ensure human safety as well as possible so that the industry itself can develop and come up with those baselines for safety themselves instead of having 
arbitrary and just kind of very coarse and difficult legislation needing to be imposed from the top, which might really hurt the ability to develop the technology in general. So you're saying it might it might call for people to come together and say, look, we got to handle the big problems so that we can all run our businesses. Be, because because now everybody has, has a common understanding of what yep. it is. Now, it doesn't matter if, if, uh, if you have uh, competitors on the same road. We need to communicate. Yep. We need to we need to address it because because if, if you're in trouble, I want to know that. Yeah, and it happens on on an airplane, for example, if you if you have uh, uh, two, two planes. planes and I mean, so 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 they have this level of communication. Yeah, we need we need we need that in the on road. Got it. Type of okay, I like it. Yeah, just like Lufthansa and you know Virgin Whatever. Airlines, yeah. they're going to know when they're flying around the same airspace. So, well, these so construction companies you, should know you, about that. Yep. You take action. You yep. one one has to climb up. One has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want one of those things. That's yeah. right. And and okay. so and so we have to have that common understanding in the on road uh, yeah. application. Otherwise, uh, you cannot just rely on. Uh, on, on scenarios that are fictitious and then and then and then create some some ethical issues that couldn't even happen if you have a, a strong understanding of, of your capabilities and what failure mode you're going to uh, go into if uh, if you have uh, an issue with the system and then everybody else know yep What's going it, on with that? The airline analogy is a is a really apt one. I think that's a good one to wrap up on. Hopefully, a lot for the folks at home to chew on. Sam, thanks so much for the interview, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast. And thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.